You're listening to the Big Finish Podcast, release date the 29th of August, 2021. Benton? Yes, sir? The uh, code key, you had it for safekeeping? Oh, yes, sir, of course. Here you go. Oh, it looks like a library card. The data is stored in a magnetic strip on the back. See? Wow, that's impressive. Here we go. Into the machine. You, Nick and Benji. I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, and welcome to our third Doctor Holiday Special. Yes, I remember back in the 1970s, there was a Doctor Who Holiday Special comic featuring the then-current Doctor, John Pertwee. And here's our tribute to that. We go behind the scenes with the Big Finish Third Doctor Adventures featuring Tim Trelaw, acclaimed as the Third Doctor, Katie Manning as Joe Grant, Richard Franklin as Captain Yates, John Levine as Sergeant Benton, John Colshaw as the Brigadier, Daisy Ashford as Liz Shaw, and Sadie Miller as Sarah Jane Smith. I think we might need to spend a few minutes looking around the car park for my teeth, Doctor. (laughs) Honestly... Such delicate flowers. All your regular podcast features are, of course, here. We'll be reviewing the latest reviews this week. It's Torchwood Drive. I, I just need you to drive. And there'll also be listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. The Randomoids Electrotron will be with us, giving forth a genuinely random selection of a random Big Finish release, for which we then give you a 25% discount, not randomly. Focus on the light. And finally, we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease from one of our third Doctor adventures, the classic third Doctor adventures there. Ho, 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 ho. I'm actually going to make it. So, since it's all about the third Doctor this week, Benji... Yeah, well, quite. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What is it about the third Doctor era that we, I, well, that we love so much? I think it's oh, it's it's very diff- you know I think for me it's a cocktail of wonderful mm. things. I like the um I like the familiar setting. You get to know the characters a bit more. You kind of get stuck in that world of things. It's a departure from whizzing around everywhere. Not that I don't love whizzing around everywhere because I do. But there's just mm. something you know when when things just work yes. when when something works really well. Yeah, you get something. You get the brigadier in there, who's just you know Nicholas Courtney just nails it. He's just perfect. You couldn't you you could not find somebody who could do that. Any you know it was, his portrayal of the brigadier is perfect. It is. Yes. Take into that, you've got Katie Manning, Joe Grant, you know Liz Shaw, uh, Sarah Jane coming in later on, and obviously by that point we were whizzing around. But it was just a time where everybody was fantastic. The unit team, fantastic. It was just it's magic. It's that that you, you know you mentioned about you know tipping the scales and stuff. It's that balance. Everything was just perfectly balanced to create great telly. And yes. uh, Take into account as well, we've got three Dalek stories uh, and loads of great music and things and the Peladon staff and that cracking Auton open. I'm just, I'm just, you know, when I think of it, I just love it. I yeah. love it. It makes me very happy. Yeah, it's the, the, the series, the era I watched the most on Britbox, actually. Um, and, and a lot of it has been, because I suffer from that sort of, uh, or suffered from that prejudice of being... Um, a youngster and then a teenager by the time uh, John Pertwee left. And he did that thing. I've said this a million times before. I'm like, he did that thing of when he left, the press quotes were, I can't stand the Daleks. And that really upset me as a young fan. And I thought, well, if you don't like the Daleks, then get stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> fine, fine. I'm not interested. And also slightly um, 
that effect was slightly exaggerated by the fact that he was a very robust personality, John Pertwee. And in my, in inverted commas, career as an interviewer, I met him a few times and he wasn't, he wasn't an easy man to interview. Um, I, I, I think it's possibly because I sort of harboured some uh, illogical dislike of his era that I didn't have enough respect for him. And he, he had a sort of um, sixth sense for detecting mm. uh, a lack of respect. And uh, even though he was, in many ways, he flattered me by always remembering my name and being nice, but he was tough. And I've told the boring stories about him shouting, shut up at me in front of a thousand fans and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I had a real reticence about the Pertwee stuff. And of course, because sadly, John Pertwee had died by the time we did Big Finished, it was never an issue for him to be in them. And then when we had came up with the opportunity, which is all discussed later in the behind the scenes stuff about casting someone else as the third doctor i sort of fell in love with john pertwee's portrayal and his acting ability all over again and i think the way the reason the era it's also listening to katie talking about him so much it i really warmed to the idea of him and i felt kind of ashamed of myself for having those slightly negative thoughts in the past I think as well, I think, you know, when it comes to things like that, it's very hard to see past things. I think at the same time, you, it's good to distance the person from the part, isn't it? And, and you know, looking at, um, you know, I always had great a great affection for John Pertwee because I grew up watching Wurzel Gummidge yeah. and loved that. And it's such a, it's such a, you know, that's such a... Uh, a family thing as well myself and my cousins we all share this love for worlds or gummage that we've always had growing up it's been there since i was i was a, a baby honestly because they were watching it yeah uh -huh. and um and so i had that i had that affection and trust in in john pertwee because he was uh, yes, yes. or and so when quite. i did move on to doctor who and, and and he was my first doctor um i immediately put that trust in him and felt a very safe place and I, I and I would argue that there's never been a doctor uh that that feels safer to be with I feel yes. like if you're I feel like his doctor he you know he'll he puts his arm around you oh come on dear chap it'll be okay you know he has that wonderful ability that you can absolutely trust totally. in him totally to be okay I think that is really the the, the source of it and and how he never really acted like that in anything else he did. So true. It is so an, true. It's an amazing piece of work, actually. He's 100% solid all the way through. He's quite different to start with. He's a bit more quirky earlier on. But I think the, the one of the underlying reasons for the success of the John Pertwee era is that the show, let's be controversial, had sort of lost its way at the end of the Patrick Charlton era. And there's a suggestion that Patrick Troughton, one of the reasons why he left is because the scripts were failing quite considerably uh, and all sorts of things went awry and they were having to chop episodes off something, extend other stories far too. I mean, the War Games is only as long as it is because they just had nothing else to fill the hole. <laughs> I mean, and Terence Dix, as the uncredited script editor, was doing amazing work to keep that going with uh, Malcolm Hogg. Um, but... Um, with Barry Letts and Terence Sticks, you had two truly great creatives, I think, who came together and formulated an approach. They had an idea, they had a feel about what they wanted Doctor Who to be. And I think before that, 
in that final year of Patrick Charlton stuff, I don't think they really knew what Doctor Who was. It was just this programme that was continuing and they were continuing it. was it. just on. They just, you just got to keep it going. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Whereas I think Barry Letts and Terence Sticks are far too smart just to do that. I think they thought, right, we're, we're doing a thing here. And what is it we're doing? And what does Doctor Who mean? And what is it about? And I think that that's what you get a great certainty underlined by the great certainty of John Pertwee's performance. And then, you know, Katie Manning and Nicholas Courtney and John Levine and Richard Franklin and and, and Caroline John, of course, mentioned in the wrong order here, and, and, uh, <laughs> and, and Liz Sladen, they were all amazing casting choices. And they and all, all brought things perfectly. to the table. They, you know, those three, as you were saying, I was thinking those three as characters and as characters with motives and feelings and, and conf- different levels of confidence, all completely different in their relationship with the Doctor. You know, Liz is an incredibly competent uh, scientist, you know, a little bit, not black and white, but that's what she, you know, she's very much about that. That was her. Um, Joe Grant comes in. She's a little bit green, but she's fun. She puts a lot of trust in the Doctor, which really brave as well. She's she's brave, and she comes out of her shell, and she she fights for what she believes is right. In 1970s, at a time where you know, look at the Green Death. That you know, that's a huge thing about the environment. About again, Barry Letts. You see, yeah, exactly. And then Sarah Jane, confident. You know, I'm not. Uh, you know, ask the question, the confident journalist, not the person who's going to sit back and let, you know, it's not a man's world anymore. So you've got all these sorts of elements there which just give us a, a well-rounded sort of series. And the intelligent thing, you know, you were saying that they, they shook it up a bit. It's not, I don't know how much money they got in terms to do this one, but the it, there's a difference in quality when it comes to that last uh, season of Patrick Troughton's. Um, where things are just looking a bit tired and a little bit cheap. Take it to Earth. You don't have to worry about the space stations and the bits and bobs like that. And you get a bit more bang for your buck and it shows because, and it adds legitimacy. You know, it's seeing seeing the Doctor going to a a power, you know, a power plant, for example, or some, you know, facility somewhere. You look at it and you think, oh, well, the Doctor's there and it's, you, you believe it. Yeah, it gives it an immediacy, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. You 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 think. Oh, he's an expert. He's going. You know, they've sent the, they've sent their expert. Of course, they're experts. The Doctor. Whereas there's only so many planets you can do. You know, it's the same thing with Russell T Davies made this great thing at the time. I was slightly um, disappointed about the fact that we didn't go to that many other planets. That it was very Earth centric, mm. and it frustrated me. But. The older I get, the more I think to myself, that's such a good decision, though, because you yeah. can. You no can one create... cares about the planet Zog, you know. <laughs> you know it's, yeah, there are the, the stakes aren't there in the same way, but also you can you can utilize your money in different ways to to make it you know, a far more compelling program and a far more convincing program than if you put all the money into creating an incredible planetscape and all that business, you know. I mean, the John Pertwee stuff, you 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 got to go to more quarries. It was a bit more, if you were to do that, you'd go to a quarry rather than 
get the sort of uh, web planet scenario <laughs> where it's, it's oh. definitely not a planet but, um, <laughs> I love it I love it I could talk about it for hours because it's just it it makes me want to just go and have a cup of tea and sit and watch some some Doctor Who now or, or and, indeed listen to the big finish there Doctor Adventures he says shoehorning in a, a product good, reference good bringing it right uh, around thank you thank, like you, thank yeah, you that's yeah. what I'm here for um, the, <laughs> I mean I'm particularly grateful and this gets touched upon in the behind the scenes stuff you'll hear later folks um you know that Katie Manning has been on board with it she immediately embraced uh, metaphorically and actually and physically Tim Trelaw as the doctor not only embraced him but really helped him really gave him encouragement told him when he was really getting it right and uh, all our visiting original cast members like Richard Franklin and John Levine have done the same gone you know I've, I've heard Richard and John both say <gasps> oh my goodness that's that was just like it that bit then was amazing you know uh, so everyone has been lovely about it and equally lovely to John Coleshaw who came on to do the Brigadier and then later uh, Daisy and um, and Sadie you know uh, it, it's all worked so well and everyone's been so welcoming and um, long may it continue you know as I've said um I think in some social media things. Of course, I love everything I do, Big Finish. I really do. But I'm very immersed in the third Doctor at the moment. As we speak, you know, I've still got <laughs> half an episode of the Devil's Hoofprints uh, music to do. And I've just finished, hopefully, the script editing on my latest script for the next year's um, third Doctor story, which I so want to tell you stuff about, but can't. Um, can't. But, it, but it's... Um, oh, no, I can't. <laughs> But I'll well, be recording I'd, I'd, that in a couple of weeks' time as well. I've got a schedule from hell to write. Be worth it, though. I mean, the, you know, you, you mentioned that so perfectly. And, you know, having worked with all of them, um, I think what's so lovely here is that, uh, like the cast at the time, uh, back in the day, everybody gets on so well. Mm. And a lot of people are hanging out with each other and doing things outside of the studio. They're They're seeing each other, meeting up and doing stuff. And... I just think that's lovely that people that that they get on so well that they think oh this is nice you know this is this is it because that's where it means something yes. isn't it and, and it so shows it's uh, a lovely lovely uh, thing to work on uh, my favourite uh, little anecdote showing the bonding of uh, Katie Manning and Tim Trelaw <laughs> which this story has been told before which is that during a lunch break at the Soundhouse Studios we were all sitting around and having our lunch and the third Doctor cast and then I think uh, one of us said, where's Katie? And then uh, <laughs> Tim Trelaw's phone beeped and he went, oh, it's a message from Katie. We thought, why is she sending us a message? And she'd been trapped in the loo for half an hour. <laughs> so Katie. So she eventually just texted <laughs> Tim and said, can you come and get me out of the loo, please? So the doctor had to go and rescue Joe from the, <laughs> from the loo monster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her, bless her. Well, the last thing I'll just say really quickly is mm. watch the fantastic things on YouTube. Give us a clue, 1981, with John Pertwee and Peter Davison on the same team. Oh, wow. Blooming marvellous. Blooming marvellous. Uh, well worth a watch. Just funny. It's look, just look funny. Um, so, anyway, it's time for us now to move on to our latest reviews. And this week, as promised, it's Torchwood Drive. I'm going to need your help tonight, if that's okay. Depends what sort of help you need. 
I, I just need you to drive. What happened? I said drive. From Big Finish Productions, Torchwood, drive. Our target's on the move. Our target? <laughs> Listen, I'm just a driver. It'll be pretty bad. It could take out half the city centre. I've got my husband at home eating a curry. I've got my daughter going on about her boyfriend troubles. I'm going to be a grandmother in three weeks. i got a life. Why should I help you? We got company. Who? Two cars. Load of men got out. Some of them had guns. Oh, God. Take my hand. What? No. They will kill us. Take my hand. So what do we do? I hope you've got your seatbelt on. <laughs> Big finish. We love stories. He's moving again. It's really struggling to pin him down. Chicken village? Okay. And while you're there, get me some chicken dippers. Just go to bigfinish.com and type drive into the search pane at the top, <laughs> and that should get you into the right gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, it's a driving gag there. Dad joke. So first up, we've got blogtohu.com Julia Tibbetts, who says torture drive could also be called a strange scavenger hunt via mm. cab. Tosh and Fauzia gather clues from across Cardiff, chasing after an explosive prize. The climax of the adventure is especially tense, with an object and multiple people for Tosh to defuse as time runs short. The whole story moves along at a quick pace, with a sweet and satisfying conclusion. New producer on the block, Emily Cook, and regular contributor, director, Lisa Bauman, have put together another excellent Torture release. Big Finish has been having an absolutely fantastic run of their Torture monthly range for a long while now. Drive continues that exciting trend, and so I recommend that you add it to your next shopping list. So when you're getting your beans and your, yes. you know, breads and... Uh, you know, peas. Uh, what other you know, peas? Yeah, peas are good. Yeah, don't get the pea roll though. Um, no, totally put that not. on your shopping list, uh, shopping list, and and grab it. I would. Yeah. And I also mentioned that Emily Cook uh, became the producer of this because uh, James Goss, the producer of Torture, was going on holiday and he had the idea of, you know, maybe someone else could come step in and, and do one. And, uh, and so Emily got a great opportunity. I think uh, David Richardson and I suggested her and this was the first, her first producing job for Big Finish. She's now gone on to do all sorts of interesting things that are in the works at the moment. Uh, cultbox.co.uk, Rich Cross says... There is a suitably tense final standoff that brings the chase to a conclusion with efficient conviction. I feel like I've used every mm -hmm. part of my mouth to say that sentence. <laughs> and <laughs> it's an end point which allows Llewellyn time for some pleasing character beats. That was a good beat, that one. Thank you, thank you. But this is a Torchwood adventure in which the intricacies of the plot come a distant second to the rich character interaction that keeps this nighttime story on the road. How many stars are there? I can't quite see them. <laughs> I think it's four stars over there or Rich has stubbed his toe. Oh! Which could be, yeah, the same gang every week, but it works. <sighs> yeah. We got one here from Paul Simpson who keeps it short but sweet. This one's coming from SciFiBulletin.com. Emily Cook's first production works well, providing a different view of Cardiff. Eight out of ten. Wow! You see, you know yeah. when when Emily looks at Cardiff, yes. she doesn't look at it like this. No. She looks at it like that. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. You see, what I mean, just slightly. All you have to do is just turn your head ever so slightly, oh, yeah. and that's how she sees it. It's a different view. Yeah, it's not no. the normal view. You see. 
And, uh, you know, even though uh, Paul Simpson gives us 8 out of 10 for that, I'd like to give him 10 out of 10 for the review because he always... I mean, what an interesting way of ending a, a review on a sort of geographical note. Um, I just like it because it's it's short, it's sweet, gets to the point. You know? Yeah, I don't know what you could scribble is. that on the back of a, a matchbox, and, that, and that's a, there's enough room to write that. That's right. Yes, sci-fi bulletin on the back of a matchbox. <laughs> Thedigitalfix.com. Baz Greenland says this is one of my favourite Torchwood stories. Something I would not have expected to say about a narrative centred around Tosh. Not because I find her a bad character. Bad character bad character but some of the louder more vibrant members of the torture team and generally are generally more entertaining or entertaining not error entertaining which is what i just said but drive brings tosh to life in a truly heroic fashion backed by a script that is full of love for cardiff well indeed and uh, a different view of it as well and the characters she meets it's is Cardiff a she? I don't know. Suzanne Packer's Fauzia is instantly one of the most memorable and endearing guest stars of the Tortured Range. And while it is likely their mission together lasted just one night, I would quite happily see Tosh and Fauzia in action together one more time. Wow. Yeah, she also says a few rude words, and one of which features in the um, trailer. <gasps> I think you say she also says quite a few words, r- rude words. Here they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read gets, them out now, very gets loudly. The podcast cancelled. Uh, Warpfactor.com. Tony Filer here, son of Bill Filer. Oh, Bill yeah, Filer, okay, doctor. Um, says uh, in Drive, David Llewellyn gives us another great slice of Torchwood with a story that could be ordinary, but which is elevated by the central character interplay between Tosh and Fauzia into something you'll listen to again and again. You'll listen not so much for the revelations of the plot, but simply for the joy of hearing these two people interact and warm towards each other, and the realism of Cardiff's character and nature bubbling to the surface. As such, Drive hits harder on the re-listen front than its plot and premise seem to promise. Uh-huh. More Tosh and Fauzia, any time you like, Big Finish. That'd be tidy. That's a little Welsh expression, that. Is that? You know. Did you really? know that? No. Interesting. They must keep very tidy bedrooms in Wales. Yeah, yeah. That'd be, that'd be tidy. I'm resisting doing a patronising accent. I hope that everyone in Wales will thank me for that. (laughs) Not worth it. Not worth it. (laughs) Not worth going there. In the tweet zone, at Paul C. Dunn-esque. Also, the latest monthly, tortured monthly releases from At Big Finish have been top-notch. A particular nod. Nod, nod. I'm nodding. At Naoko Mori for Drive. Amazing performance. She's great. Rob Cope here says, have to say that the latest Torture Drive by David Llewellyn is a real treat. Naoko Mori is on top form as Tosh races around Cardiff yeah. against the clock with her newly acquired taxi bestie Fauzia to stop gangsters with alien tech. Wow. Big Finish is the insomniac's best friend. Oh, I like well. that. I like that. Well done, Rob. I'm glad we uh, kept you company while you were awake. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh about... Um, insomnia actually it can be absolutely crippling um but i'm glad we can help him somewhere did it make you go to sleep is that what you're saying anyway <laughs> at michael r coulson uh says loved listening to torchwood drive the range just seems to be getting better and better absolutely tosh and fauzia are a fantastic duo it's it's very characterful character which is what characters are usually full of characterfulness i can't wait for lease of life next month well we'll be covering that in a in a review section 
sometime in the future. Thank you. Thank you. I give all those tweets um, seven and a half out of ten. <laughs> well, you heard it from the Briggs there. That's <laughs> it for the reviews this week, but more next time when we take a look at Doctor Who, The Blazing Hour, starring Peter Davison from Give Us a Clue. Coming up soon, it'll be listeners' emails. But first, we go behind the scenes with the Third Doctor Adventures from Big Finish. My name's Justin Richards, and I'm the author of Prisoners of the Lake. We think it's a building. At the bottom of a lake? Seems bizarre, doesn't it? And it's a very long time since this area was dry land. But it's there, half submerged in the mud and silt on the lake bed. So what's inside? We don't know yet, but I can tell you, I'm going to make sure I'm the first one in there to find out. I'm not sure it's reinventing so much as uh, as trying to capture the essence of. Obviously, it's going to be different doing it on audio rather than telly, but, uh, but the sort of story that you tell, I think, is very much the same. More than any other era, there's a, a formula to the Third Doctor's stories, certainly the Earth-based ones. So the, the secret is to sort of capture that feeling and atmosphere and style without repeating what's been done on the telly. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the director of Prisoners of the Lake. OK, off you go. Thank you. Incredible though this all sounds. I suppose that makes sense. And you're saying that it... It what? It landed in the lake? Crashed, more likely. This is just a protected inner hold assembly. Whatever they were carrying, they thought it was important. The rest of it broke away. On impact, yes. Very good. You got it, Chip. That's what it is. When we were doing the first, what turned out to be the first Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor adventure, Destination Nerva, we had Tim Trelaw in playing a number of parts. And one part he had to play was Lord someone or other, who was a very posh chap from back in sort of Victorian times who went off and uh, messed up alien cultures and came back infected with an alien disease. There was a little trailer for that story. So when he did this voice, Tom Baker and I had a moment of going, that sounds like someone. Who does it sound like? And we were both racking our brains and I can't remember which one of us said it, but we finally decided it sounded pretty much like John Pertwee, which we thought was highly amusing at the time. Then when we were planning to do the light at the end, or what turned out to be the light at the end, I suddenly sort of had it in mind, oh, we could get Tim Trelawney to do some John Pertwee bits. And that seemed to work out really well. So when we were talking about what to do with the early adventures style thing with the third Doctor, Tim seemed to be the obvious solution. He works for us a lot, Tim, anyway, and we love him dearly. And it's interesting getting Tim to do it because it's not, it's in the same vein as Fraser Hines' version of the second Doctor. It's not uh, an absolute impersonation. It doesn't always sound exactly like him but you know who it's supposed to be and there are moments where you go oh my god that was really him and that's exactly the same with Tim you know it doesn't he has a John Pertwee voice which isn't quite John Pertwee's voice but it's clearly meant to be the third doctor and and it's written like the third doctor and there are those moments where and you know uh, Katie had those and she said oh that was I was really spooked then you know that really did sound like John and so, and I think it works really nicely. And plus the fact we've got him narrating as well. So if anyone's slightly uncomfortable with the idea of recasting, it is the narrator who is being John Pertwee's doctor sort of thing. So, so that's, 
our thinking behind it. Uh, I'm Tim Trelaw, and I'm playing the Doctor and the narrator. Wait a minute. Did you say Dastrons? You've heard of them? Yes. Yes, I'm very much afraid that I have. It's very very difficult to, to prep for John Pertwee because there's only ever going to be one John Pertwee and you can't replace him. But I just tried to do my best to be as near an essence of John Pertwee as I could. Um, and so I watched quite a lot of uh, DVDs of his performances as Doctor Who and um, I, I didn't want to do just an impersonation of him So because he's such a fine actor. I wanted to be able to, to study his mannerisms and um, his voice tones and I don't know if I've come anywhere near him, but uh, I've had a lot of fun trying. As a professional, I think you just want to try and do as best as you can. I think you have to do the preparation because John Pertwee's voice is so unique. To try and get anywhere near it requires a change in the way you actually speak a line. So you can't just impersonate him, you have to change. So for instance, he had um, a slightly sibilant S, and so I had to try and study where his tongue was when he was speaking, what part of the the teeth he was hitting and um and the one the one um thing which i couldn't prepare for was the the shouting that he he does um because in most of the performance i've seen of him he doesn't really shout so that was the part i found most difficult i think him with his voice raised i think when he's he's easier to do when he's at his calmest and most relaxed i think tim has worked extremely hard on this and you know because he's reproducing this sort of uh, a technically reproducing a voice that comes from someone else it's been harder than with anything else we really do actually because being a, a Doctor Who nut myself and being very aware of John Pertwee's voice because the first Doctor Who series that I audio taped was John Pertwee. So I, I'm really, I can hear his voice in my head. It sounds a bit spooky. So I have a sort of instinct for what's right for John Pertwee. Uh, you know, we had to, we have to do a lot of stopping and starting and picking up on it because Tim is not a Doctor Who fan and we've given him a couple of John Pertwee stories to watch. He's been watching The Mutants and Planet of the Spy and he has audio clips of it on his phone and every now and again if he feels like he just has a, a little listen to it to remind him of the tonal quality and you can you know so many times today I've heard uh, and yesterday I've heard a particular clip from the mutants playing and you know sadly I could identify it as the mutants before anyone had to tell me it was the mutants because I can recognize virtually any Doctor Who episode prior to 1980 with about a three second clip of the sound I can go yes that's Death of the Daleks episode four you know so yes he works very very hard on it and um, sometimes it's a question of just getting him to relax and of course he's Welsh as well so sometimes the performance comes through brilliantly and then suddenly he'll do a very Welsh vowel sound and you know we have to go back and correct that so really the job of working with Tim he is an excellent actor and he's doing a fantastic job is just keeping him happy and letting him know it's all right and letting him check whenever he wants to he keeps saying oh do you mind if I had have a listen to this and I say you have a listen to John Pertwee anytime you want and I've told him to play it while he's asleep when he goes home so that he sort of sleep learns it as well I joke that he'll wake up in the middle of the night going Joe <laughs> and just be careful your goes in your first speech went a bit goes 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 go silent then goes silent then goes silent yes right Okay. okay. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and cue. On my iPhone, I recorded a few of his um, 
of his scenes from uh, from Doctor Who. And every now and then, Nick, the producer, would allow me just to stop recording while I just listened to John Pertwee for a few minutes just to get get back his voice because it's quite easy to to lose it when you're when you're working on three hours solid of scene after scene after scene and changing your intention uh, as an actor so one minute being panic one minute being calm it's quite easy to lose the concentration of um, the voice so that was very helpful a to just keep listening to his voice just to remind me and there's um, there will be a few little trigger words that would help me get back into how he speaks Tim is excellent. It's uh, it's sort of close your eyes and you believe it was John Pertwee, isn't it? Um, which on audio, of course, you can do because because you don't see him there. It's interesting watching him getting it right and practicing odd lines to himself until he's he's happy. He's got the intonation. But uh, but yes, there's a there's a definite. I don't know. He's not he's not identical, but he's 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 very close, and he's a he's a sort of version of the Third Doctor of his own as well, which brings something new to it, which I think helps. Doctor! Missing artefacts. The brig sent him to look into possible theft. Hardly a job for unit. The Third Doctor Adventures. Hello, is anyone there? Can you hear me? Over. Is that the Doctor? Hostiles detected. You're looking very smart. The Doctor won't let anything happen to us. Really, he won't. Joe? Can you hear me? What's happening? Joe! Dozens of stone coffins. Notification. A spacecraft is approaching Docking Bay 3. This should only take a few moments. We'll have to compensate for the lack of temporal synchromesh, of course. It's just like driving a car in manual rather than automatic. Doctor, I, I don't mean to sound critical, but that's space on the other side of those doors, isn't it? Empty space. Why, you good grief. Oh, there's another stone robot! Three moons and an asteroid belt, far too much to ask. Language assimilated. <gasps> what in heaven's name are those things? Those, Mike, are Atto eels. Huge. Very dangerous. That's what the first one said. I think we should get out of here before it attacks us too. You may enter docking bay. According to this, the Earth Empire has arranged a political marriage between the two leaders. Please notify Lady Guerlain that our useless and pointless security consultant has arrived. Acknowledged. Excuse me. Woman with reputation in ruins coming through. Yes, this is Captain Yates. Uh, put me through to the Brigadier, would you? The whole future of the Sector of the Galaxy is at stake. <laughs> Organic life forms detected. The Delphons. Let's get going. There's no present like the times, there. Big finish. Recreating an era. The Transcendence of Ephros is a lovely script by Guy Adams, and it sort of trades on the vibe of, you know, things like Colony in Space or, or even the Mutants. It's got that that feel of, you know, uh, future Earth involvement. Also, um, it, it links into Frontier in Space as well with the business of the President, the Doctor, having some sway with the President of Earth. And it's a lovely story. It's got all the right beats to it. It feels very authentic. Lovely characters. Hello, I'm Guy Adams, and I'm the writer of The Transcendence of Ephros. No, that's definitely not right. For Ephros? For anywhere. Look at them. Well, I, I really don't know. I mean, well, I'm not exactly an expert on interplanetary constellations. Being asked to write for Third Doctor, obviously very exciting. Really enjoyed the uh, the Third Doctor adventures. 
box set. It was, you know, it was potentially a very brave move, obviously, on, on Big Finish's part, but Tim Trelaw was just superb, really, you know, channeled that role wonderfully. You know, it was, it was a very exciting thing to be offered, and uh, I accepted at my, at my usual speedy raid. Stop! Well, that was between us and the mountains! Yes. Yes, it was. We recorded the first one, I think, about um, 18 months ago, so it's been quite a while, although I um, recorded some short trips a couple of months ago. But yeah, it's great being back, and um, it's what I call the difficult second album. <laughs> Trying to make sure that uh, I maintain the same standard, or at least, have, well, hopefully have improved somewhere. Fantastic having Tim Trelaw back playing the third Doctor. He really has got into his stride. He was brilliant last time, but he's done loads of extra work and immediately wanted to talk to me about how he'd been listening to more John Pertwee stuff and getting more intimate tones into it. And, you know, it's like uh, he was playing with most of the orchestra last time and now he's filled it out with the rest of the orchestra, the, the different sounds of the Pertwee Orchestra. <laughs> the Third Doctor's an interesting one. I mean, the character of the Doctor does sort of flit between these these very warm, very cosy figures and less so, these, these, these perhaps potentially more intimidating characters. If Hartnell was the grumpy grandfather, uh, certainly Pertwee is, is, the, is the stern, rather intimidating uncle. No doubt, as a as a as a child, if I if I was uh, to meet the third Doctor, I would have felt safe from uh, any potential alien threat. But at the same time, I, I would have been quite sure that I would be in awful trouble about something at some point. The fact that it's a new story, it's almost as though this should be a. It should be one of the the original programs. It's it, it's so they're so well done. These scripts, they're just fantastic. Guy Adams has written a wonderful script. Every time, Doctor. I mean, every single time. Fancy a short hop, Joe? Something I must show you, Joe. There and back in a jiffy, Joe. Well, if you don't like seeing the universe, I love seeing it. It's just that I'm well, slightly tired of bits of it trying to kill me. My dear Joe. We're just a bit stuck, that's all. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Welcome to the TARDIS. We should be safe here. Nearly there, Joe. Cheer up. Sorry, Doctor. I'm just a little worried, that's all. The Third Doctor Adventures. Baking hot, dark. Baking hot. Oh, yes, it is rather. (sighs) What was that? The quantum moment. Of your death. Just hold on. Hold on. I once met a terribly wise man. I know most of them are terribly silly, but he was an exception. And he taught me a great deal. One thing in particular. Take all the opportunities the universe offers you. I'm reading the Future Analyst's report... And it's making me queasy. The word of Sortan spreads far and wide. Sortan. Of course, that's why you're here, isn't it? For the transcendence. Um, no. Too bright! I can't see! The human lifespan is so short. A newer, younger body is full of opportunity. Joe, what have you got yourself mixed up in? What is it the two of you actually do? We work together. Cousin Joe is my assistant, Stephanie. Our problem is what's happening to the planet. 
It just doesn't make sense. Doctor? I think we should get back to the TARDIS. Come on, Joe, quickly. Doctor! Grab my hand, Joe. Hold on. Perhaps there's still time. If you expect me to believe your story, I'd put a bit more effort into it. But it's the truth. <laughs> get back, you stupid... Gentlemen. Hey! 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 Big finish. Recreating an era. Where the devil am I? Still in Bramfield, Doctor. Hello, I'm David Richardson. I'm the producer of The Third Doctor Adventures, Volume 3. I think I've said before that um, when we started out, it was a very interesting experiment. Although we knew Tim was brilliant and that um, he could do a fantastic Third Doctor, we didn't know how the audience were going to respond to it. We didn't know if they would accept somebody else playing that role. And now when we're in our third box set, we're on a really strong footing. The audience loved Tim's work, Katie loves Tim's work, the bond between them as actor, the bond between them in the finished production is superb, it's perfect. So uh, we, we, we go into this box set with um, four stories behind us and we, we know absolutely that we can do it. I, I think, for me, this is a really confident release. I think we've got two really strong scripts. My name's Katie Manning, and I played Joe Grant. When the Doctor and I last fought the Daleks, they'd hidden 10,000 of them in an underground cave and sort of froze them. 10,000? Yes. That's nothing. You mean there are more here? Our information says it's more like a million. I'm loving this because we're actually working with Daleks again. And sometimes where John and I weren't totally thrilled with Dalek outcomes, I think it's still the greatest thing of Doctor Who is the Dalek because it is no human aspects at all, which I think makes it far more frightening than anything that has like one eyeball and two arms and a pair of... I think they are... Daleks are just iconic... There's never been a better alien than a Dalek in my mind. And this one that we're doing right now is actually a follow-on from one of the ones that I absolutely loved, which was Planet of the Daleks. So it was terrific. Um, and John and I both enjoyed that enormously. And so we are sort of picking up from the very end of that. And in a strange way, back in the distant mind, I remember that it was another of the times where Joe met another possible... Mr. Grant, <laughs> um, and it was it was a joyous episode to do, and I got to do my first bit of improvisation, which was very exciting back then, when speaking into a very old-fashioned looking machine, which I think we used to call a tape recorder. But no, it's very exciting working with the Daleks, and of course to have Nick directing us in a Dalek voice sometimes is even more exciting. <laughs> I wanted a Dalek story in this box set. For me, the Doctor and the Daleks go together hand in hand. And it, what's really interesting, of course, is that John Pertwee wasn't a fan of them. And yet for me as a viewer, um, thinking back to when I was 12, 13 years old, they were really a highlight of Saturday nights for me. Um, Day of the Daleks, Planet of the Daleks, Death to the Daleks remain locked in my nostalgic gene. <laughs> they're, they're really special to me. And what's lovely is that Nick has run with that sense of nostalgia and he's written a story that takes place directly after Planet of the Daleks. They segue straight in so um, it's um, a really exciting one. Hello I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the writer and director 
of the conquest of Far. The TARDIS! You captured it! Conclusion! This human being travels with a version of the Doctor not previously logged in Dalek data bags. Well, that's not my fault, is it? Silence! And you better watch out, because the fact that the TARDIS is here means the Doctor will be coming back to Far to get it. And when he does, he'll bring the Earth Alliance with him. Yeah. So I wonder what happens next. I have to come and look oh, at the schedule. I'm not ready. There's only one little world I want to see right now, Doctor. That one. That one? But, Joe, that's Earth. That's right, Doctor. Home. Home it is, Miss Grant. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Daleks! Good grief. Dalek units move to security control points. The third Doctor adventures. Joe! She can't hear you, it's a recording. Time is of the essence. Will you help me or not? Hello! Never thought of turning up the heating here. The Doctor is a known saboteur of Dalek operations. What was your plan? Answer the question! I'm trying to! Administer pain! Shouldn't be long now, Doctor. Approaching helicopter. This is Royal Navy Destroyer HMS Nemesis. Are you receiving? Over. The thing looks like a big metal egg. No doubt a capsule of some kind. How do you do? Ariander, isn't it? Hello, Joe. It's so very nice to meet you. I can tell you and I are going to get on terribly well. Doctor, no! Stay away! You're not going anywhere! <laughs> that was incredibly dangerous. Battle stations! All crew to... Temporal never event. A what? In short, boom. This is excellent news, Provost. It responded to your touch. The crystal recognizes me. It's coming from the ship. There's someone in there. A horrifax. Why don't we rush in and clobber him? Clobber him? Do not be afraid, Joe. You are in the space between thought and reality. Think. Concentrate. It's me, the Doctor. Just think you must realise this is wrong. Millions of people would die. Billions. The genocide of the human race. You will be silent. No, I won't. Doctor, get down! Out of no! Ah! All hands to battle stations. Look here. There's no time to waste. The enemy is close by. You just tell us where. Big finish. Recreating an era. We're spinning out of control and could smash into a thousand planets or maybe even a supernova at any moment. The Third Doctor was really the era that I started to become aware of Doctor Who when I was a kid. So producing this series for me has really allowed me to reconnect with what fired me up about this series that I really discovered whilst John was the Doctor. Because of that, there's a real fascination for me in being able to tell stories that I would have loved to have seen at the time. And a prime example of that is being able to bring back the meddling monk in Rise of the New Humans, which really is it's a really authentic story for the era. It's Earth-based. It's the Doctor and Joe investigating something on Earth. My name is Katie Manning, and I play Joe Grant. I'm Tim Trelaw, and I play the third Doctor. Don't worry. The Brigadier made it perfectly clear that you weren't to go in with me. Why? Because he thought it wasn't the sort of thing a young woman like you should have to face. A chauvinist pi- Right, come on. <sighs> Josephine Grant, you're quite impossible some days. 
This is now the fourth box set, isn't it? Yeah. So we now have just recorded the first episode of the fourth box set by the time you're hearing this. And um, yes, yeah, so that means we've done seven. Really? Together, seven stories together, yeah. Very now much he's deserved. wonderful. He does all those little things now that John used to do, sorts my pages out for me and, you know, gets because I, I get a bit twisted up with all the wires and things, you know. I'm trying to get my handbag caught into my headphones and, and it's so sweet now. I don't even have to make a... He just does it. He automatically looks and comes in and sorts me out. So I think it's, I think it's really lovely. I'm Nick Briggs. And I'm the director of The Rise of the New Humans. So just them two lines, please. Dr John Smith, my colleague, Josephine Grant. Ministry? Well, we're not here to have our bunions checked, old chap. We're official visitors. Now be a good fellow and let's get on. It's terribly inclement out here. We can squeeze in up front. Oh, you'll have my neck for this. I just know it. I'm happy. Good, good. Thank you. They're quite a double act now, and they've become warmer and warmer in their relationship, and more and more fun, and more and more chaotic, and more and more trying my patience. <laughs> it is sometimes like herding cats with those two in the lead roles, because they inspire such hilarity and fun and games with the rest of the cast that it all goes a bit crazy. But you know, that's all to the good, really. I try to be supportive in knowing John as well as I did and having spent so much time and going through the good times and the bad times that uh, life takes you through together. Um, it was, I think, I hope that it's helpful to Tim that I, I understood how John used his voice, how his voice worked, what his problems were, what kind of words really used to cause him great stress. And, and yes, little mannerisms and things like that. But it, it's, it's lovely, you know, I've really listened to Tim and there are times which I will never tell him where they are. I always give him the thumbs up and so on when something's good, but there are times when I just get that little shiver of I forget that I'm not with John. Yeah, Kate is tremendously important, obviously. Thanks. Um, the, the anecdotes and the, the tips and the support and the help, I couldn't do without it, really. It's brilliant because she'll say something and it'll give me a key into exactly how to say it. Like, for instance, there were some words that he had difficulties with because of his, his, his soft S. In so, our day, it um, would have been an impediment. And yes. John's day, it was an impediment. In fact, yeah. it got him kicked out of drama school. Yeah. I'd have rather. But nowadays, you know, they have a different attitude, too. Yeah. But in certain ways, saying, right, maybe mm. half sing it. He would say whole sentences or, you know, paragraphs without breathing sometimes, mm. involving very long words. But that was because that he couldn't be stopped in certain... Yeah. And also they, the writers would not give him as certain words that they knew John would, if, yes. if done in a rush and things like that. And John had amazing ways mm. of finding rhythms that would help him through very technical words yeah. and things like that. Tim is, has got, you know, as I say, he's got the same wonderful kind of warmth and velvetiness that John had. And, uh, you know, it's just charming and lovely and wonderful. And I don't think I've ever heard or felt anybody perform a character that I have known the way that Tim does this with John. Really amazing. She's very kind, isn't she? Yeah, can I go home now? Yeah, can we go? <laughs> Do you want that, that fiver now? Here's the fiver for saying all that. <laughs> the brilliant thing about those two working together is that they just have developed such a, a brilliant working relationship. And obviously that's something to do with Tim, but really it couldn't work without Katie's acceptance of someone else in the third Doctor role. 
And in many ways, she would have had every justification to say, well, no, I, I don't think so, guys. But she's really embraced it. And she's, you know, she listened to what Tim did and thought, you know, this is good. I like it. And she's so supportive of him and she gives him little hints and tips. And uh, he helps her when she drops her script or can't find the page. Have you ever thought about investing in a sort of a little roof rather than a flappy tarpaulin to keep you dry? Don't you listen, old girl. I have so many remembrance of Bessie because Bessie was not just the car that we used, John used as, as for his Doctor Who character, but it's also where we spent every sort of on location and things like that. We would be driving around in Bessie when we were waiting between shots. We'd have lunch in Bessie. Everything happened in Bessie. We'd have deep and meaningful conversations. I wrote an entire opera about Brussels sprouts in Bessie. You know, we have, we've created bonkers characters. And Bessie is quite... And the, the first time I came back to England and uh, after John had gone on his awfully big adventure. And I sat in Bessie, and that was the first time it really hit me that John was no longer with me. There was something, because that car held so much of our, our joy and laughter and fun, and our one and only argument was in that car. So Bessie means a lot to me. David Richardson, who produces this, said to me, should we do the third Doctor with the meddling monk? And I thought about it for a few seconds and thought, yes. I knew that Rufus Hound had been doing brilliant work for us as the monk in other contexts. I thought it was a great idea to bring him in with the third Doctor and also selfishly so I could work with him because I've been a great admirer of his work for many years. My name is Rufus Hound and I play the monk who in this adventure is quite keen that everybody recognises that he isn't really the monk nor should he be called the monk and so I think the Doctor continues in calling him the monk in order to tease him somewhat. <laughs> this setup has all the hallmarks of the master. Uh. Hello, Doctor. How simply delicious to see you again. You're expecting someone else? I can't decide whether to be pleased or offended. Come on, Doctor. It's lovely to see me again. Admit it. I most certainly will not. I am the director of the Tyrants of Logic and also the Cybermen. Doctor. Doctor, what are they? Cybermen! Yes, it had to happen. Of course it had to happen. I mean, as we know, a Cyberman appeared on the screen in Carnival of Monsters, but that's not enough, is it? And anyway, the back of his costume wasn't fixed properly. So, no, we had to do it, yeah. And I think it must have been David Richardson who asked Mark Platt to do it, I imagine. From the very first days when we started on this project, people were saying to us, will you be doing a Cyberman story? Will the third Doctor at last be meeting the Cybermen? Because, of course, on, on telly, he never did. I think he's one of the few Doctors, and certainly a long-running Doctor, who uh, never got the chance to appear with them. It's one of those things as a fan and as a producer of the series that you want to make happen. I don't know quite why it's taken us four box sets in to actually do it, um, but I'm, I'm glad to say we have. I was very keen that Mark Platt was the person to write this. He's, he's written so many scripts for us, but among the very best, the most highly regarded are um, Spare Parts, which of course is, is really rightly hailed as a big Finnish classic. 
and the silver turk an eighth doctor story which is among my favorites one of my very favorite big finish stories ever i'm bound to say that you know great doctor who monsters work with all doctors so i don't see an issue there and i think it just feels special to have a, a matching up of doctor and adversary that wasn't in the tv series and and who knows why it wasn't actually it probably probably never even occurred to them i can't i don't remember ever hearing any interviews with uh, barry and terence saying oh we 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 thought of cybermen but we thought no 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 we'll never do those again i think it just never occurred to them actually but no i think it works out well and it's a lovely it, it all comes down to the quality and nature of the story and uh, and i think it's a good story and the doctor's role is great in it Here you are leveler oh chicken legs the tyrant of logic it'll be a mammoth task to rectify your whole race you are already submitting to cyber conversion. Cybermen aren't fearless. You suppress fear by stifling your emotions. But deep down, at every second of every day, you're terrified. Yeah, okay. Good. That'll do me. I knew that the fans were after a story of the Cybermen. I have to say, when I watched Doctor Who, the Cybermen were the most terrifying things I've ever seen much more terrifying than the Daleks to me. They, they were absolutely my favourite. When, when the Cybermen came on TV, when I watched Doctor Who, that was it. I went, yes, yeah, Cybermen, because they just were so scary, terrifying. There's a real Mark Platt magic when it comes to telling Cybermen stories, and I'd, I'd asked him to pitch an idea for this slot, which was a futuristic sci-fi tale to take it away from Earth and uh, show the Doctor and Joe battling them on an alien planet. Hello? Anyone here? No one in their right mind leaves their docking bay doors wide open. Particularly not in this weather. They must have been in a hurry. Perhaps. But don't wander off. We don't know what else might be in here. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Doctor, what are they? Cybermen! <laughs> Stop! The Third Doctor Adventures, Volume 4. Something on the gantry above. Some sort of animal, bipedal. Possible local species, pure organic reading. Yeah. I'm watching you watching me. Whoa! I'm getting soaked! Keep your arms in! Look, Bessie's a lovely car, Doctor. I mean, really lovely, but... Oh, well, have you ever thought about investing in a sort of a little roof rather than a flappy tarpaulin to keep you dry? Don't you listen, old girl. She knows you're beautiful, really. Who is he talking about? No! No! You're expecting someone else? I can't decide whether to be pleased or offended. You will help me. She's got a scalpel, Doctor. I will hurt you. Just look back, Joe. Chad Caramel. That was me. Oh? Maestro of music. Fancy a drive in the country, Joe. What's that? The supply ship. Whoa! I am a member of the Bureau for Cyber Retribution. Ah, so you're a cyber hunter. I am. Like one of the old Earth Nazi hunters. <laughs> Perhaps. Then you have my utmost respect, sir. You and I have a lot in common. The Cybermen were a terrible threat. Terrible. Get back! Big Finish. 
recreating an era. It knows you. It must have been watching. Are you some sort of security organization? Some sort, yes. Well, this was a, a big venture for us, really, because we we'd done four box sets of Tim Trelaw with Katie Manning, and in the first box set we'd also had Richard Franklin appearing as Captain Yates. Um, but we felt by the time we got to box set five that it was time to open up the unit family again and take the really bold step of recasting Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. Hello, I'm John Dorney and I'm um, the writer of Flashpoint. The original brief I had for this story was just to do something with Primords. I love Inferno, it's one of my favourite Third Doctor stories. I'd asked to write a Third Doctor because of two reasons. One, it was the only Doctor I hadn't written yet for Big Finish. And also I was an old drama school buddy of Tim Trelaw's and so I was really keen to work with Tim on these. So yeah, I got the brief of doing a story about the Primords and I pretty much instantly started to think of angles and that the key way to look at it was going for somebody trying to weaponise them. But the idea of somebody being able to get hold of the goo and use it in another way felt very promising. It felt like a natural development of the story and an interesting place to go. I'm Tim Trelaw and I play the Doctor. Here we go. Cue. Did we do it? Did we save the day? Yes, Jeff. Wonderful script written by John Dorney, who got me into Big Finish in the first place, so I owe him a lot, so I'm going to say everything he does is good. No, it's great. It's, it's lovely that, as well, that the characters of Joe and the Doctor can maybe split off and veer into their own storylines, in a way, or linking storylines, where uh, Doctor's with Liz and Joe spends more time with the Brigadier. Hello, this is John Coleshaw, and it is my great honour and utter delight to be uh, playing Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. To take on the character of uh, such an iconic Doctor Who legend, really. It, it's wonderful to play the Brigadier. You walk a little taller, and the way he made the Brigadier so memorable, so characterful. Uh, that wonderful military formality. But yet with great warmth as well. He wasn't a distant character. He was really part of the team. It was lovely to actually see the very first pages coming through with Brigadier's dialogue on it. And as we went on, as more of the scripts were written, I started to get cold feet a bit, actually. I, I just started to think, how on earth could we possibly replace Nicholas Courtney? Because he had such a distinct voice. I mean, it's such a distinct tone to his voice. But then I just thought, well, we just have to forge on and we will, we will find somebody. I was determined we were going to put a lot of work into it and we were going to find somebody. And we did hold auditions, actually. We auditioned a fair number of actors. I sent out test scenes and audio test reels came in of people auditioning for it. And uh, everybody did really lovely auditions, actually. You, you could not fault a single performance. And they were all actors who I would love to work with on an ongoing basis at Big Finish. We just were looking for that really distinct tone of Nicholas Courtney's. It was, it was just finding that magic. And then one day, as we closed, we were getting closer and closer to the studio recording, actually, I emailed Nick and said, John Coleshaw suddenly occurred to me. Uh, we'd worked with John, and I remember he'd done an audiobook reading of The Five Doctors. So I, I downloaded that audiobook and played 
his readings of the, the brigadier's lines and they were immaculate they were amazing and I shared them with Nick and it was just that moment where you just go yeah it's John it's John I did meet Nick Courtney what a wonderful fellow wonderful warmth very friendly you you just met him and you just thought the world of him instantly I met him at the 40th anniversary celebrations that was when we first met and you just hit it off with him straight away such a warm avuncular friendly witty fabulous raconteur wonderful company I'm the director of the Scream of Ghosts Hello, my name is Guy Adams and I wrote The uh, Scream of Ghosts. I am also invading the Earth as the Vardens. A sort of interference. Completely blew the TARDIS communication circuits. Twice. Great heavens. Hello, Doctor. Doctor, are you in there? Doctor! Doctor! I do wish you'd pay just a little attention, Doctor. Well, I could say the same about you. Uh, Doctor! Please! Professor Liz Shaw, good to see you again. You too. Hello? Fucking here. Here you all. Ah! <laughs> uh, sorry about that. Open fire! Stewart, I have resumed command. Abort this launch. I repeat, abort this launch. Commander, planet Earth within broadcast attack range. <laughs> Sorry, Private. I think I closed the door a little too quickly then. He'd probably think I'm off my head. You would be surprised what I believe, Concrete. He called them Primords. From Primordial, I presume. So you saw the Primords? That's what we're calling them. Primords. Stop it, you useless thing. Just Stop it! I think we might need to broaden our definitions of what's possible. To think of all the money wasted feeding and clothing these monsters every week. I know what I heard. I wish I could say the same. Like someone or something has stolen the entire street. It said, help me, they're coming. They're going to kill us. Blimey. Fire at will! They keep saying it's for the greater good, for the good of the country even. The but... country? <laughs> There go my speakers. You are recognized enemies of the Daleks. You are to be exterminated. Poison of the Daleks. Oh, well, that started life, actually, as something quite different. I brought in Guy Adams, who'd written a couple of previous Third Doctor stories for us, both of which I really loved, and suggested to him the idea of doing a good old unit, the Third Doctor and Joe versus the Daleks epic Guy took that away and he came back with a story which was lovely, but probably just didn't offer enough that was new. He had more of a time travel spin on it, really, with Unit and the Brig going back into history. And it seemed seemed more fun to take them into outer space, again trying to find new things to do with this team. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and I'm the director of The Third Doctor Adventures, Volume 6. Oh no! All intruders are to be exterminated! (laughs) Exterminate! Exterminate! Right, it's on to scene 17. Well, 
Well, it's always great to do a Dalek story. There's the added stress stroke delight of doing Dalek voices at the same time as directing. And inevitably, you end up directing the cast in a Dalek voice and everyone talks about, oh, it's very funny hearing the director directing in a Dalek voice. Well, you know, I'm over it. When people are laughing, I'll just get on with it. <laughs> you know, I'm directing you. I know I sound like a Dalek, but just leave it. Um, yeah. Lots of fun. Oh, it's always great doing the Daleks because the, the Daleks is is something that appeals to me personally through, because that's that's what I associate as being the horror of Doctor Who. Obviously, you've got the proper Dalek there as well, the, the original Nick Briggs. Hello, this is Jonathan Barnes and I wrote Doctor Who, The Third Doctor Adventures, Operation Hellfire. Yeah, it was another hugely exciting out-of-the-blue email from Big Finish who asked me to contribute to the, to the Third Doctor range, which obviously I'd admired for some time. You know, both Katie Manning's um, kind of revivification of, um, of of Joe Grant and, um, you know, Tim Trelaw's really quite uncanny take on John Pertwee's performance. So, yeah, a real thrill to be asked to contribute. The brief was, um, yeah, quite a tantalising one. The big finish production team asked for a pure historical kind of right in the thick of the Pertwee era so I went away and had a had a think about that um, wondering I guess very much you know what kind of a pure historical might have been attempted by the the Barry Letts Terence Dix team around that that time came up with three possibilities and the answer came straight back they were very very keen on the World War II setting um, something seems just kind of right I think about imagining um, the third Doctor, you know, in in the nineteen forties, right in the in, in the midst of the action. Ah! You idiot! Uh, Do you still not understand? I, you're, you're one of them. Do you really think it's not safe, my dear Joe? If the place does go up, it's liable to be with an explosion so large we couldn't outrun it now if we tried. Doctor Who: The Third Doctor Adventures. Volume 6. Oh, great. Activate! We will bring this country to its knees. My willing servants, heed my words and I shall tell you what you must do. I shall tell you how to win this war. I very much like your cape. You cut a dash, sir. You have quite a silhouette. Mr. Churchill, it's an honour. And you, madam? must be Joe Grant. We are going to take the fight to the enemy and make them regret the day they ever came here. The Daleks will rule the day, mark my words. Your companion will be submitted to robotization. No, I assumed you'd want to see one of our core security measures in practice. Well, it does sound very effective. See? Your sergeant has an open mind on progress. Yes, I'm sure you're a shining example to us all, Bentham. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. And I know one thing. What? The universe would be a much worse place without him. So... So I'm not just doing it for me or the Doctor. I'm doing it for everyone he's ever helped and everyone he's going to help in the future. Now, here's what I want you all to do. First, we need to find... A Dalek. These words are meaningless. Your commander won't want me killed. Scan me. This is the Dalek Supreme. Prepare for the invasion of Earth. You will offer offer offer. He hung up on me. We'll have less 
for that extermination from you lot. Thank you. Carry on, Sergeant. Dismissed. Big finish. We love stories. And that brings us up to date. The next stories were, of course, the Unzal incursion and the Gulf out earlier this year. So we thought it was too soon to revisit them. And of course, as you know, the trailer has recently been released for Conspiracy in Space and the Devil's Hoofprints, two brand new Third Doctor adventures out this October. Here's the trailer. I particularly liked the way I said hoofprints. 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 From Big Finish Productions, The Third Doctor, Volume 8, Conspiracy in Space. Could it be city stardust jamming with the spiders on Mars? Don't be absurd, Joe. How dare you place a claw on the hilt of your sword? I am the Lady Zin, Dowager of the Jade Chordata. As a matter of fact, I know exactly where we are. Well, it's not the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, is it? An Earth female? She may be diseased. Draconian guards. Doctor, we're on Draconia. That would seem to be the obvious conclusion. (laughs) And may the words choke in my windpipe like a half-digested mammalian. Three, two, one, and chokes away! Eyes must intercept and kill. The young emperor is not beholden to anything said in haste. To place Place myself myself henceforth on his Draconian Majesty's secret service. Aren't you a little short, Draconian? I think they're going to ram us. Look out! Intercept and kill. Hey! (laughs) The Devil's Hoofprints. I've waited such a long time for this. Doctor, come out and look. Ah. Interesting. What was that? Relax. Mr. Chilton, we're ready. Yes, good. Submerge the superconductor coils and activate circuits one through four. (laughs) (laughs) It works. It works. If the famous ghost doesn't get you, it looks like a nice spot for a picnic. He's meant to be a sprite or spirit that haunts the tour, and he's only ever seen in the coldest winters. Doctor! Miss Smith, over here. Ah, there he is. Why has Unit been called in? This isn't a holiday, Doctor. Yes, well, it couldn't be helped, old chap. Doctor! Get down! Fire at will! For pity's sake, man, reverse the polarity before it's too late. You'll find I'm in charge here, Doctor. Chilton must be insane. Have we ever met? Not to my knowledge. How odd. I almost feel as though we have. I'm sure I would have remembered. Yes, quite. The Wild Hunt. Big finish. We love stories. Well, just go to bigfinish.com and type third doctor into the search right, page yes. and reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> uh, yes, well, quite. Uh, so, Nick, uh, what's it time for now? It's listeners' emails. <laughs> Well, that's right. You don't have to reverse the polarity to send an email. 
You don't have to do anything. Well, you do. You have to actually write an email. Yeah, send an email. Send it. <laughs> and it's, but it's simple. You just send it to podcastabigfinish.com. It whizzes through the air and it ends up in the virtual mailbag that is podcastabigfinish.com. Beautiful. First one here is from Andy Jeffs. Uh, the subject of it is Big Finish Advert on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, dear Nick and Benji, love the promo for Big Finish. You come over as the nicest company in the world, which of course Big Finish is. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Um, you will indulge emailers by playing their synth sounds as a bed uh, for their email to be read out over. How groovy is that? Thanks for that, guys. Uh, the old girl, as I call my synth, which I think of as my TARDIS, <laughs> has filter issues at the moment. Oh. So back to Gallifrey for repairs. <laughs> you got to watch the synthesizers. If you take them out in cold weather, they uh, they, they can go out of tune. They Believe do. me, I've, yeah, I've done it. Um, Big Finish has the attitude that comes with loving the Doctor... Uh, uh, shot through it like a Blackpool stick of rock. Uh, I'm probably rambling now. Anyway, you get the idea. You mentioned Seeds of Death. Uh, it's like an episode of the Sweeney in the places. Uh, I, I always found the solution a bit undoctory. Blow it up with fighter jets! Um, well, guys, keep doing what you are groovily doing. Andy. I think you meant the Seeds of Doom there, Andy, because Seeds of Death is set on a moon base with ice warriors but it just suddenly occurred to me see it's seeds of seeds of doom isn't it that that's seeds where the fighter planes come yeah in. you're you're correct and correct. you're absolutely right it is like an episode of the sweeney with the doctor punching people in the face why am i laughing about that is there something wrong with me uh next up this one is from vitas varnas uh, and it's called Thoughts on Season 6B, Helicon Prime and the Black Hole. Dear Big Finish Podcast, with much speculation surrounding the forthcoming Beyond War Games, which is the subtitle of the first Second Doctor box set next year, I was curious to know what are your thoughts on Season 6B of Doctor Who, especially since there's been one audio set during it with Helicon Prime by Jake Elliott, and one audio seemingly retconning aspects of it with the Black Hole by Simon, Simon, Simon Gurrier. Why can't I say Simon's name? What's the matter with me? Simon, I'm sorry. Geria. Um, yours sincerely, if he tells Farnas. Well, it's an interesting one. I'm not going to give you my views on it because, as you can gather from the title Beyond War Games, we are sort of investigating that supposed area of Doctor Who history, um, but not in the way that you would expect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, Very I, I, good. Now, I would also say if you don't mind a lot of you are writing in and asking for details on the um the first and second doctor ranges um and we will be giving you those details we're basically our rule of thumb with big finish is to make sure something's been recorded before we publicize it because if we publicize it before we've recorded it with some notable exceptions uh, there's always the danger that some unforeseen event will occur which will prevent the recording or severely modify it in some way so do you see what i mean we can't say anything until we've got something in the can the moment we have and we've got a bit of artwork then we say something and then also we say something when we've got a trailer as well so it takes a while and the other thing is that i keep on banging on about is that I dearly want to tell you all the secrets of things, and I hate keeping secrets. I want people to be excited about what we do. You know what I mean, Benji? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I, I'm. But we have to make sure that when we say uh, the things we have to say about our products, we're sort of in the right position and we're saying it in the right way, so that the most number of people get to hear about it. So it's like the difference between 
you know, me going around the back of this shed now I'm in and just muttering something and maybe the guy next door while he's watering his flowers hears it or making sure that I'm standing on top of a ladder in the middle of the town here with a megaphone where <laughs> everyone will hear it. It's better to do it that way. But if I start doing it, uh, you know, behind sheds and some people hear about it, by the time I try and make the big announcement up the ladder with the megaphone, a bunch of people are going to go, we've already heard it, mate. And so the announcement gets undermined by people already knowing. You know what I mean? And even people who didn't know about it, their appreciation of an excitement for the announcement is slightly watered down by the fact that people are going, yeah, I've heard this before. And they think, oh, have I heard it before? Did I miss? It confuses the message. And it's much nicer to keep very quiet about everything. And then when the time is right, and hopefully the maximum number of people are listening, we're going, this is our news, our exciting news. So that's the reason why I can't, uh, in these uh, sections of the podcast, come out and tell you exactly what we're going to do. Not because I want to make myself special by knowing something you don't know, but because I want everyone to feel special when they hear it. How about that? Is that you buying that? I'm buying that. I understand <laughs> that. I think it's very, very wise words there, Nick. Thank you so much, Benji. Very wise. Very wise. I'm not physically threatening him at all. In fact, he's in a completely <laughs> different geographical location to me, so yes, that would be impossible. He'll throw a shed at me if I'm not careful. <laughs> um, we've got one here from Jason Leach. Uh, yes. Survivors questions. We love survivors. Mm. Um, hello, Nick and Benji. Usually this is the part where I would say how much I love the podcast and how great you guys are. Right. And I'm sure you don't want to hear all that. So I'll get right we, to it, shall we do, I? We do want please, to hear all that. Please, please, please. <laughs> Somebody love us. Um, I'm glad that we're getting more survivors. Yeah. Uh, I love this series so much, and the way that Big Finish blends the new series with the original TV show is just fantastic. Hey. Uh, I was wondering, though, um, with the upcoming release of New Dawn 1 and 2, uh, will we see the return of Chase Masterson's character, Maddie Price? Uh, we last saw her, uh, was when we last saw her, it was Series 3, as she was getting on a boat heading back to the United States. I was hoping to see what happened to her and to hear some stories about what happened in the US as the series continued, but we never did. Uh, so, did she make it back home? Did she find her fiancé alive? If we don't get these answers in two new box sets, can we please have a spin-off series with Maddie Price as the lead? Survivors USA, maybe? I don't know. I don't think there are any plans at the moment, are there, Nick? No, I think that's fair to say. Sorry about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, she just disappeared. I mean, Chase did a fantastic job, as always. But, yeah, no plans for that. But, you know, who knows? Maybe one day. Who knows? In, in the survivor strategy. Just imagine. <laughs> uh, one last thing. Uh, are we ever going to see Charlotte Pollard Series 3? Yes, we, you are. But it's not uh, scheduled yet. So apologies for that. That's my fault. I mean, draft scripts have been written uh, and I'm working on them. But a lot of other things have got in the way. But I, I, I re we really need to get on with that. But, you know mainly because I think uh, India Fisher may do me some damage if I don't get on with it. Although well, Jason actually says it here himself. He says, uh, keep it up and buck up. Well, Nick, I think yes. Jason's got it there. Buck yourself I up. I will. Sorry. Sorry. I just sit around. I just laze around doing nothing. He does. He just sits on the sofa as a tangerine, falls asleep, wakes up and just watches the bill. <laughs> all he does and repeat every day he that's, loves the bill that's such an accurate summation of my life <laughs> uh, that's it for this week more next time
Well, just a reminder that we'll be drama-teasing you with a mystery third Doctor adventure <laughs> from the Big Finish archives. That's right, at the end of the podcast. But first, it's... The Randomoid Selectron, where we give you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. That's right, we're heading straight into there right oh, now. Yeah, I'll, I'll be going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Doctor Who The Companion Chronicles The Sleeping City The Sleeping City Title is now out of print on CD You can get it on download right here Written by the great Ian Potter uh, Starring William Russell and John Banks Well that's going to be cracking isn't it Yeah is that different to the uh, the usual Ian Potter Or just I believe that's This is the great Ian, Ian Potter, Potter though. <laughs> this is <laughs> Very good very good There yeah, you go coffee. Here's the trailer Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Companion Chronicles, The Sleeping City. I don't think you fully appreciate the seriousness of your situation, Mr. Chesterton. Oh, believe me, I do. You're aware of the impact your disappearance made? I haven't really kept up with the papers, to be honest. Conscious dream mingling is just the tip of Limbus. Limbus connects the people of Hisk subconsciously too. It encourages our citizens to truly know each other, to share who they are and what they hope to be together. It feeds into our real lives, helps us work for the common good. Focus. Focus on the light. Would it help if I were to say members of my department were already aware of the Doctor? What? I don't understand. There have been certain events since your departure which have brought him to our attention. Now there, my child. It was just a dream, that's all. Just a dream. It wasn't, though, she said. It was real. I felt a hand on my shoulder in Nimbus, and when I turned around, it was Bennett. My old guardian, Bennett. But his face wasn't right somehow. I, I'm trying to investigate a murder here and prevent a second. Big finish. We love stories. Marvellous stuff there. Love a bit of First Doctor. Nice. Directed by Lisa Bauman, of course. Really nice cover by Grant Kempster. Uh, music by Toby Robinson there. Nice. He did and sound design, yeah. He did, yeah, he did yeah. the whole post-production nice. on that one. With John Banks as Gerard. I don't think Gerard is, is said as, as though it's like a really important character. <laughs> well, G- maybe he is. Do you remember Gerard? Gerard in the first Doctor Adventures. Well, there we have it. Nice. Um, uh, right, while I email uh, Jackie at Big Finish to make sure she puts the offer live, Benji will explain how you get the discount on this. 25%. Yeah, it's so easy. You get 25% off. Just go to bigfinish.com. On there, go across the menu to podcasts. When you're on podcasts, it will say read more, and it will have the latest podcast in question. Uh, What I'm looking at right now is Stingray Shadows, but that will, of course, be the name of this week's podcast, which is the Doctor Holiday Special. Click read more. When you're reading more yeah. there, it should say, just click here and enter the code Buck Up. That's B-U-C-K-U-P, no spaces, no uh, punctuation, <laughs> no numbers, no numbers. Don't put any numbers in no. there. Just Buck Up, and that'll get you 25% off. It's a great way to build up your collection of Big Finish stuff. 
and just get some listening in. That's what I say. If you're wandering around there doing something, you know, just whack on a bit of Big Finish and enjoy. Nice. I've been I've been doing a bit of, uh, yeah, lovely bit of Big Finish listening, just, you know, randomly dipping in. Have you? Uh, when I go on my woodland walks. Yeah, listen to lots of bits and bobs there. Woodland walks you know. with Benji Clifford. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That would be a great sort of, you know, early evening sort of tea time programme. It would be very boring. How just would it me sound? Going how, going. Would it, how would it sound? Suppose, well, I suppose it would just be me sort of... If I'm listening to Big Finish, I mean, there'll be nothing. It'll just be me walking. Well, imagine you presenting the show, listening to Big Finish. How would it sound? I might pitch it now. Well, it'd be me going, hold on a minute. Yes. What is it? I'm listening. What? You want me to talk about the ducks? I can talk about the ducks. There's three ducks. O- There's two ducks over there. One's just eaten the other one. What? All right. Look. Do you mind? Honestly, some people they just don't, don't... I'm listening! I'm listening to Big Finish. Don't you understand? I want to listen to more Jago and Lightfoot. Have you got that? Uh, thanks, Ran. Uh, next week's podcast... I really started something there, didn't I? Um, next week's podcast is entitled 611 and features the brilliant Sixth Doctor, mm. the lovely Colin Baker, who I was just chatting to on the phone yesterday, actually, having a lovely old catch-up. I haven't spoken to him for ages. And... Uh, He'll be battling it out with a Time Lord with far too many personalities for his own good. I've just noticed the blooming hyphens have been on this script the whole time. Uh, Attack of the hyphens, they're back. Why is it a default setting? Colin Baker faces the hyphens (laughs) in the the next Big Finish release. Anyway, with the Sixth Doctor and and, uh, the Eleven, we'll be going behind the scenes and drama-teasing you too. Well, thanks so much for listening to this Big Finish production. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. Join us next time as we slip into our brightly coloured coats and curly blonde wigs. Mmm, yes! Time now for Doctor Who, Poison of the Daleks by Guy Adams. I've been poisoned by the Daleks. You will to have any chance of getting past the patrols. We have to be clever. Not just go charging in. We may be doing this behind Red's back. But let's remember the training she's given us. Sam, she, the gate. That way we have the code. We should just get on with it. I need to get my bearings. You need to get your head examined. Come on! Hurry! Come back! You idiot! You... This way. Stop. You are my prisoner. Oh, no. Not you. Turned into one of those. One of those. You will come with me. No. Sorry. I won't. Ah!
Samshi? Is that you? Well, you're hurt. You're bleeding. Let me help. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry this happened. Father. For he himself has said it, and it's greatly to his credit that he is an Englishman. That he is an Englishman. For he might have been Venusian, a Draven or Draconian. Uh, hold on. That's not how it goes. Well, it is, you know. I'm pretty sure Gilbert and Sullivan never mentioned Venusians. Depends on where you learned the song. I picked it up on Vetro Quarter, where temporal technology enabled the pair of them to come up with several new verses. Several new operators, in fact. The Pirates of Peladon was a particular favourite. <laughs> come on, Doctor. You're making this up. Alternatively, we could always try a rousing chorus of... I am the very model of a Morak Major General. <laughs> uh, maybe another time? Good. Excellent. Well, that's the idea of a sing-along put out of its misery. Thank heavens for that. Oh, Alistair, you're such a grump. No, I'm not. Prove it. Sing some Tom Jones. I know you can. We all heard you at the Christmas party. Nonsense, Doctor. Never happened. Uh, I'll sing it, Doctor. One note from you, Sergeant, and I'll have you on a charge. Oh, sir. Can we not just drive in peace? Oh, Brigadier, come on. It just helps pass the time. Help is a relative term, Miss Grant. I have some paperwork to do, and it's difficult enough, what with the doctor's erratic driving. Erratic? I have you know I'm in full control at all times. Well, that's what worries me, Doctor. And if we must drive all the way to Dungeness on a fool's errand, the least you can do is allow me to amuse myself en route. Well, it's hardly a fool's errand, is it, Doctor? Oh, it certainly isn't. Pollution's the most serious problem facing our planet at the moment. Actually, it's overpopulation. You don't expect us to do something about that, I trust? Well, maybe not today. Excellent. But perhaps we can concentrate on the work in hand. Breathe Industries are promising to deal with our ever-worsening air quality, Doctor. It's quite natural that the government, or all governments in fact, should consider their work an absolute priority. Well, you can believe what Breathe Industries are claiming. It's not a mere claim, Doctor. I've seen the reports. Their filtration process clearly works. But, sir, if the government okays the installation of clean air stations across the country, would that not get rid of air pollution forever? Well, I grant you it's a noble aim, Sergeant. What worries me is that there's a politician in charge of it. Jane Davis Hunt is currently Shadow Secretary of State for the Environment. She isn't a member of the government, so it's perfectly legitimate for her to have business interests. Oh, legitimate, is it? Well, I think she's rather brilliant. I'd vote for her. The point, Joe, is that it's a clear conflict of interest. All of Miss Davis Hunt's profits from the project are going to charity, Doctor. She's made it quite clear that she's doing this for the betterment of the planet. How gracious of her. Well, I think it's amazing. It's impossible. A system that sucks up air, purifies it and huffs it back out again, smelling like daisies? It just doesn't make sense. Oh, it makes sense to me, Doctor. Excellent. You become unit's scientific advisor, then. 
No wonder they need help with the security. There's nobody on duty. Automatic barrier, Miss Grant. It's supposed to be unmanned. Benton? Yes, sir? The uh, code key. You had it for safekeeping? Oh, yes, sir, of course. Here you go. Oh, it looks like a library card. The data is stored in a magnetic strip on the back. See? Wow, that's impressive. Here we go. Into the machine. It's like open sesame, right, Doctor? I doubt there's any treasure in this particular cave, Sergeant. That thing! It's the filter tower, isn't it? Looks more like the sort of whopping great chimney that caused all the problems in the first place. Miss Grant, if that thing is successful, it'll be paid for by the taxpayer. I doubt they'll mind if it prioritizes function over form. I've never accepted that the two are mutually exclusive. Take Bessie, for example. Not only is she breathtakingly beautiful, but... She can reverse park in a matter of seconds. <laughs> she can. Not sure about the rest of us, though. I think we might need to spend a few minutes looking around the car park for my teeth, Doctor. <laughs> Honestly, such delicate flowers. Come on, then. I have some nonsensical science to advise on. Good morning, Professor Brock. These are the people from Unit. Clearly. Indeed, Miss Davis Hunt. Oh, please. Call me Jane. Um, yes. Uh, uh, Jane, uh, my scientific advisor, the doctor. Chart. My assistant, Joe Grant. Good to meet you, Jane. Good to meet you, Joe. And this is Sergeant Benton. Ma'am. He'll be my liaison with your security people. Excellent. Square bashing in the corridors. I'm sure that won't be at all distracting. I'll do my best to ensure that you are not disturbed, sir. By me or anyone else hoping to sabotage your work. Who would be so stupid? What we're doing benefits all of mankind. Stands to make Breathe Industries a lot of money. I find that as soon as money comes into it, altruism tends to go to the wall. Yes, and um, your technology is extremely valuable, and there will be many people, both private individuals and state forces, who would like to get their hands on it. The Brigadier is, of course, quite right, and we're lucky to have his expertise at our disposal. Thank you, ma'am. And we're lucky to have you too, Doctor. I've heard so much about you. I'm thrilled that Breathe Industries will have the benefit of your endorsement. Endorsement? I haven't seen it yet. The system works, Doctor. I have no doubt you'll be as thrilled by the results as we are. If you don't mind me saying so, Professor Brock, you don't seem very thrilled to see us. Are you comfortable with us being here? I wasn't aware we had a choice. You don't, I'm afraid. This project is far too important to be handled entirely in-house. There's rather too much riding on its successful conclusion. And, as I say, we're only too happy to have your help. You are by reputation a genius, Doctor, and I always listen to geniuses, don't I, Rupert? Hmm. Shall we take you through to the main control room? Excellent idea. Ah, I rather meant the Doctor and Miss Grant. I assumed you and the Sergeant will want to check on the security arrangements? After all, that is your role here, isn't it? Quite, Miss Davis Hunt. Quite. It's probably a good idea to give the place a once-over, sir. Yes, uh, thank you, Benton. Then we'd better get on with it. You'll need this security device to get around. Here. Ooh, looks like some sort of pager. 
If you need to get in touch with us, surely there are simpler ways? It's part of our security. A corridor key. It's programmed with the route from here to the security office. Any deviation from that route will set off an alarm. I'm not sure I appreciate the lack of trust, Miss Davis Hunt. Trust has nothing to do with it. I assumed you'd want to see one of our core security measures in practice. Well, it does sound very effective. See? Your sergeant has an open mind on progress. Yes, I'm sure you're a shining example to us all, Benton. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. You press the button there, and the arrow directs you towards your destination. Oh, yes, that's clever. Although I suppose it's going to do people like us out of a job. Hardly. We need fingers on triggers for when someone does veer from the route, do we not? Fingers on triggers? Somehow I always saw myself as more than that. Right. Doctor, Miss Grant, if you'd like to follow me. Oh, Doctor. She called you a genius. <laughs> yes, well, word gets around, you know. Listen, this might be a good time for me to ask for an increase in salary, don't you think, Doctor? On my budget, you're lucky to keep that car of yours on the road. Keep in touch on the radio, Doctor. We'll reconvene later. Right, old chap. With me, Bent. Sir. After you, genius. I can see I'm not going to hear the end of this, am I? Of course you're not. <laughs> Plants? After everything I've been through, no chance. And here we are, the hub of the operation. So please try not to get in the way. I want us ready for testing in two minutes. He really doesn't like us much, does he? Oh, don't mind Rupert. He's a scientist obsessed by man-made pollution. Of course he doesn't like you. He doesn't like anybody. We are, after all, as he sees it, the cause of the problem he's trying to solve. Precisely. Well, he doesn't have to be quite so rude about it. I mean, you're working against pollution too, Jane. But you manage to be civil about it. Ah, but I'm a politician. It's my job to be charming. I need your vote. Well, to get that, you'll first have to convince me this system even works. Jane? You'll see the proof for yourself soon enough, Doctor. It really is simple, you know. Air is drawn into the central filter core and processed. Then it's released back into our atmosphere, stripped of its dangerous properties. Interesting that you say our atmosphere. Uh, is it? Just a turn of phrase. Obviously, scale is the issue. One tower isn't going to save the world, although you'll be surprised how much effect this single facility can have. Indeed. Very surprised. A doctor, let's just see what happens, shall we? Well, perhaps I might be able to take a look at this central filter core of yours. Out of bounds, I'm afraid. Then how am I going to assess... For your own sake, it's an extremely high-risk area, especially during tower operations. Oh, well, sounds like things are about to happen. Indeed. If you'd be so kind as to take a few steps back, 
we'll observe from the edge of the room. Beyond the yellow line here. Gosh, no. <laughs> Don't want to get underfoot, do we, Doctor? Underfoot? Me? I'm generally treated as an acid. Not when you're between a technician and their workstation, Doctor. <laughs> then you're just an obstacle. <laughs> a bit like I sometimes feel in your lab, Doctor. needed to activate the tower is considerable. We have to be careful. Careful? 